Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul Recipes for Living. Welcome to my weekly From My Mama's Kitchen talk radio show. My guest for this morning is Dr. Marilyn Joyce. Known as the Vitality Doctor, she is a best-selling author, educator, and internationally renowned speaker on nutrition, health, and education. Dr. Marilyn and I will be discussing her life's journey and her latest book, Instant Energy, The Five Keys to Unlimited Energy. Good morning, Dr. Marilyn. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I am great, Johnny. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And how are you today? (laughs) I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me. Instant Energy is an awesome book. It is so thorough and easy to read. The book makes a perfect gift for anyone who is seeking knowledge on how to energize themselves and their loved ones. So congratulations for that. Thanks so much, Johnny. Yeah, I put a lot of time into that book because I really want people to get what they need and understand that energy is something that we're really, really going to need over the holiday season especially. (laughs) (laughs) Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. That's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll tell you that I'm uh, an immigrant. Uh, We Mm -hmm. left Scotland. I'm a a Scottish girl from a wee place called Ochtermochty in Scotland. That's where Mm -hmm. I was born. (laughs) uh, I like the accent, by the way. I like the accent. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, yes, you know, it's something that you can take the girl out of Scotland, but you can't take Scotland out of the girl. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. So we did leave there when I was a, a wee baby, a little child, at six years of age and immigrated to Canada. And so that was really a shift, you know, it was kind of like a, a breaking from the family, so to speak, because all of our family still remained in Scotland and always did. We were the only part of our family that emigrated over to Canada, and of course, I'm down in the States now. But um, that way, you know, my childhood was uh, not the, the easiest childhood. I grew up with a mother who was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia when I was uh, six years old, actually. And my father was not present most of the time because he was on the road with his work as a sheet metal worker. And uh, when he was home, he was usually not present because he loved the bottle. So, uh, um, you know, that was basically my, my childhood. I ran away from home when I was 14, so my start was, was really on the streets of Toronto. And then from there, I uh, decided I was going to go around the world, and I was going to find myself. It was kind of the era, you know, back in the hippie era and the Beatles where everyone was trying to find themselves. Of course, most people didn't realize that wherever you went, there you were. (laughs) But um, as a result of that, I actually traveled around the world, hitchhiking around the world, which I wouldn't recommend now, and I probably would never (laughs) think to do it now. (laughs) But um, but I'm glad, yeah, (laughs) it's not the the safest way to go around the world. But I will say that it was really my first introduction to nutrition and lifestyle, and I actually did an up in India where I studied mm-hmm. yoga for a year and a half in an ashram, in two ashrams, actually. And during that time, I learned the five keys that became the underpinning of my life, although much more so as I progressed through my life. And in, the mid, uh, in my mid-30s, I was diagnosed with two forms of melanoma, first with 
uh, melan- uh, pardon me, two forms of cancer, first with melanoma, and then shortly after that, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer stage four, which had gone undiagnosed for, oh my goodness, at least a couple of years. And, you know, I was young enough that they, the symptoms were very similar to what the doctors would say or call PMS, premenstrual mm-hmm. syndrome. But yeah. they, got, they got progressively worse. And after I was diagnosed with melanoma, I think that was when it, they decided they better look more closely at what was going on because the symptoms were so severe. And sure enough, it was uterine cancer stage four, which actually ran in my family. I had two great aunts who had mm-hmm. died from uterine cancer stage four, but they were much older than me. I was only 35, Johnny. I mean, you could yeah. literally have knocked yeah. me over with a feather when I was diagnosed because mm-hmm. I, I, all I saw were people who were dying with stage four uterine cancer. There was not mm-hmm. that, you know, it's like a death sentence when I was told I had this particular yeah. form of cancer. Um, I'm blessed I'm still here, of course, but, you know, it was a journey. It was a five-year long journey that really, uh, you know, it took me to a different place. I, I tried everything. I literally, um, I had saved a lot of money through the different work that I'd done over the years. I had mm-hmm. reached a, a very high level of success in my career in as a biochemist and a nutritionist. And mm-hmm. um, I, was, I think I, that was a blessing in a way, except that I will tell you, I hated what I was working at in administrative dietetics. And I mm-hmm. always say to people, if you hate what you're doing, get out of it. Because yeah. when you're doing something you hate, you're constantly in a, a, a level of stress. And that's, you know, from my perspective, 95, if not higher, percent of all illnesses are the, are the result of stress, you know, ongoing stress. And what the most people experience in their lives, ongoing stress that they don't take control of. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was part of what I think was the causative factor. And um, then, like I said, I went in and out of cancer five times over a five-year period and I uh, tried everything. I left no stone unturned. Literally tried whatever I could find. And it wasn't like today where you could yeah. go on the Internet, which I don't think is a good thing uh, on mm-hmm. many levels because mm-hmm. people believe everything they read. And I would say a lot of what you read on the Internet isn't necessarily the right way to go because it's not addressing the whole person. And that right. was the journey for me, was going from you know, addressing the physical piece of me which is what mm-hmm. most of the medical community does with cancer, instead of the whole person, mind, body, spirit. And mm-hmm. so that was the journey, really, for me, was going from addressing it from a physical perspective, which took me in and out of it. I did, you know, I did go into remission, but then I had a recurrence. But it was when I finally, in 1989, was at the, you know, the bottom of the barrel, 88 pounds, in a wheelchair, couldn't eat or drink anything, could only suck on ice chips, and was given less than two weeks to live. And that was when the miracle weekend occurred. That's when the miracles began. And I discovered or rediscovered what I had learned in India in the 80s, mm-hmm. I mean in the, the 70s, the early 70s, I re, you know, relearned or woke up to uh, through mm-hmm. a, a meeting with Dr. Bernie Siegel. And that was really, truly the big thing that occurred for me was that and meeting Jim the Vitamix man and learning how to have whole food nutrition in an ice chip format. You have a very interesting story. We talk about, in general, life is a journey, and obviously you got into nutrition and wholesome living 
at a very young age, do you at yeah. times think that all these are meant to be, in your case, so that you are the person you are today? Oh, my goodness. And I yes. mean it in a respectful way. I hope you understand that. I'm not yes. saying that people have to go through what you went through, but in looking inward, so to speak. Oh, my goodness. I have to say a resounding yes to that, Johnny. I believe that everything that we go through is is what the God in the universe provides for us as a way to orchestrate our lives, to move forward, always learning, always gaining lessons. My feeling about life is that it's all about lessons. It's all about the lesson and how quickly you learn it or not learn it. And if you don't learn it, you'll keep getting things in your life until you, you know, incidences and occurrences and and situations, until you learn that lesson. And once you've learned that lesson, you graduate to the next level. And so I'm a really strong believer in that. And that's what I try to impart in all my work with my patients and my clients and in everything I write, you know, mm-hmm. because it's – and lessons don't stop just because you're in your 60s or whatever, uh, which yeah. is where I yeah. am now. They don't stop. They continue, and you continue – hopefully you continue to grow and expand your consciousness to move to the so next true. level. So yeah. What life epiphanies did you experience during the most challenging period of your life? between the mid-80s and early 90s? Well, you know, one of the things that I had mm-hmm. never, being Scottish, we were, one, you never share your story if it's, unless yeah. it's a good one. So, you know, mm-hmm. it was for me to begin to open up and share my story with the realization that that might help people who are in the midst of what I had maybe been through or was going mm-hmm. through was a real epiphany because I saw people's faces light up because I've, I've been a speaker for a long, long time in my life. You know, since I was, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years old, I on some level or another teaching yoga or whatever, I've always been out there speaking. So, you know, I, I would see people's faces light up and, and that was a, an epiphany in itself, sharing mm-hmm. stories. And now what do you hear about all the time? Share your story, how to craft your story. I mean, my goodness, just get up and tell your story, for goodness <laughs> sake. You know, <laughs> and, come from, right. and do it from the heart. That was the other thing, mm-hmm. learning to go into my heart. I did not learn that. I mean, as a child of a schizophrenic mother, I didn't know how to be in relationship with people per se. But d- during the journey of cancer, I learned that if I was going to try to do it all by myself, I probably wasn't going to make it through. So I was learning how to reach out and ask for help, you know, not to, and not to be the, uh, the goody two-shoes all the time and the yeah. people pleaser. You know, those were mm-hmm. things I, I grew up walking on eggshells as a child. So I didn't know how not to be a people pleaser because that was the only way I could survive. Now, as, as I was going through the 80s and 90s, I was learning that, you know, there were other things you had to do. You had to move out of that. And don't don't get me wrong, there's always yeah. a part of the people pleaser in you if you've got it. You know, it, it, you don't right. wash it out of yourself. But, but right. you do it in a more constructive, positive way. So it's learning how to take your experiences and put them into a positive format so that they benefit the world and you move beyond yourself. The other thing was learning to get out of myself. You know, mm-hmm. instead of focusing on myself, and also, what you focus on expands. That was a huge epiphany for me when I was working with Dr. Mm-hmm. Bernie Siegel. I was focused on illness and negativity. You know, that's what mm-hmm. most people do. They, they, right. they focus on the cancer journey, and they don't focus on health. When people say, how did you overcome cancer where other people don't? I think a large part of it was, one, my age. Of course, I was younger. I had a lot more whys. 
the bigger your why, right, the more, right, the more right. reason you have to be alive. You know, we hear a lot about that today. But I learned that years ago. But the other part was what you focus on expands. And if you can focus on the things you're grateful for, you will have a lot more to be grateful for. And, you know, one of the big things that did occur for me was during the time that I, when I met Dr. Bernie Siegel and inadvertently did work with him uh, on my journey, was uh, he talked to me about doing a gratitude journal. Honest mm-hmm. to God, goodness, Johnny, no one has ever talked to me about gratitude journals and things like that. I mean, right. I, that was like totally new back then, I think. And, mm-hmm. um, and when I started writing, he said, write five gratitudes a day. And even if they're the same gratitude five times, just make sure you sit down and write five a day. And mm-hmm. so what happened was the first day up in Canada in the middle of winter, it's always overcast and gray and dismal. There's never sunshine. And I remember looking out at this gray, dismal day and saying, dear God, if you want me to write in this journal, give me a sign. And I swear, just a few seconds later, the sun shone through the clouds for just a few seconds. To me, that was a sign. And I wrote that day, dear God, thank you for the sun, thank you for the sun, thank you for the sun, mm-hmm. five times. But at the end of the month, Johnny, I wrote 138 different gratitudes, and they were all different. And I'm still here today. I don't know for how long, but I've had a great <laughs> ride for about 27 years, you know. <laughs> yeah. What you mentioned, it's very, very interesting because our body, and we will talk about this later in the show, but our body is a closed system. And all the yeah. chemical reaction within our body, if we go through a process of instilling positive energy within our body and I'm sure that contributes greatly and the other thing about the gratitude journal and the fact that when you first started out speaking about your conditions and the things that you have done research on that's a process of transference getting out of you absolutely Oh, yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. When you bottle it up, you know, one of the things we know about cancer today is that it's really the the physical manifestation of unresolved emotional issues. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I I can look at my own life as a child of, you know, with a, a mentally ill mother and a father who was never there, mm-hmm. either, either physically or emotionally. And so, you, you know, I can look at my own life, but, you know, when I'm working with patients and clients, and that was part of the reason I went on and got my PhD in psychology as well as biochemistry, was because <laughs> I learned that I needed to get deeper into people's, you know, psyche and their spiritual beliefs and their, all the aspects of the whole person. Because yeah. that truly is what, what, how you overcome something like cancer or any illness, I believe. I believe that, you know, heart attacks are probably the result of, unresolved emotional issues as well. But right. um, the, the key thing is that we, if we can get to the core of what's eating you up inside instead mm-hmm. of what you're eating <laughs> as well or as well right. as what you're eating, uh, because what, what's eating you up in, inside is also what's right. causing you to eat the, in, the, the foods that are not appropriate on the outside. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. You're, you know, everything is, a, is related Yes, so just, true. Yeah, you've got to get to the core issues. Right. I experience in my speaking, as much as I give in terms of the people who are elated with the messages that I share with them, yes. in return, on a personal side, on an insight, my gosh, I'm yelling and celebrating as much as they did because something happens within me that feels yes. wonderful having the opportunity to speak. 
I agree totally. I think it's always about giving and receiving. Mm-hmm. And as long mm-hmm. as you're open, you know, when people say to me, how do you get up in front of an audience? I speak <laughs> all the time. I, I say, you know, I just get up in front of the audience. I scope the audience. I get a sense of and a feel for the audience. Most many times I've spoken to them beforehand, right? If you're a number right, of people, right, right. right? And you mm-hmm. kind of get a feel for that audience. So no two speeches are going to be identical because you're addressing the needs of that audience. And when your focus is on the audience and and giving whatever you can Mm -hmm. give, you automatically start receiving an incredible amount of energy as well. There's definitely that exchange of energy. Yeah. Right. Coming back to your book, you talked about how our craving for simplicity costs us our personal energy. Please elaborate on that. Well... Look at our lives today, right, Johnny, 24-7. We're on 24-7 with our computers, our cell phones, our iPads, our this, our that. I remember the days when we had a a party line where six families had one phone line. Today, one person has six phones, you know, in some (laughs) form or another. (laughs) And when you think about that, it's like people expect you to – respond immediately so that's one of the key right. things is that we're you know technology has it's great i love it i am a techno mm. you know lover mm. but um but the fact of the matter is that it it really does take away from the simplicity of life and then we have all these gadgets and machines and we have to think about them we have to learn how to use them i mean i have friends that don't know how to use their remote controls and it frustrates the you know what, out of them. So I go in and, <laughs> and yeah, I help yeah. them set it all up. And I feel really proud of myself. You know, at 66, I know how to do all this technical <laughs> stuff. And my friends have no clue. The point is that we don't, with the simplicity of our lives in the mm-hmm. old days where you had community to get together with. And now people sit in the restaurant with their friends and they're on the phone the entire time texting up to somebody else. Yes. You know, yes. instead of being present. So when you're present, that is, and you're, you're having community and, and, you know, the longest living cultures in the world, that was one mm-hmm. of the key things about them was community and taking mm-hmm. time out for a happy hour. That didn't mean necessarily an alcohol-based happy hour. It was like right. a happy hour together where they, they got together and just chewed the fat about life and love and food and <laughs> Goodness knows what, you know, and right. had a great downtime. And, and when you don't have downtime, that's an energy eater-upper, you know. And then if you're, if you're constantly stuck in traffic, cars are great. But if you're stuck in traffic, we all know that at times that's not necessarily going to be re- relaxing at all because you're mm-hmm. trying to get somewhere and you can't get mm-hmm. there on time. So you get frustrated with that. I mean, you look at everything that we have and it's all of those things cause us to uh, disperse our energy on things that really shouldn't always matter and we right. don't take time out and, and regenerate. And that, that's because of the 24-7 thing, you know, and all, like I said, all these appliances we have, you got to learn how to use them. In the old yeah. days, you took out a broom and you swept the floor. Today, you got to think, <laughs> okay, how do I program this vacuum cleaner to go around the house and do it itself? <laughs> right, right. So and true. then if it misses the corners, you've got to go and do them yourself anyway. <laughs> That's true. So true. Yeah. <laughs> In your pursuit for healthy living, what are the five essential principles for optimum health and vitality that relate to mind-body-spirit concept? That is a great question. 
and right there, I'll tell you that it, it boils down to the acronym I have for energy. Mm-hmm. You know, where you take each of those letters. I know there's six letters, mm-hmm. but yes. when we have the when we look at that, we we look at the five keys. And those mm-hmm. five essential principles or keys boil down to your breathing. You cannot live without oxygen and without breathing. That's number one. I mean, you'll die quicker without air than anything else. So you've got to learn how to breathe properly, and most people do not know how to breathe properly. So what I teach, that E, exhale fully first. And the reason for that, and I learned this in yoga when I was 20, the reason for that is because unless you exhale fully first, you can never fully inhale. So it's teaching people to blow it all out at least mm-hmm. three times before you start breathing in uh, on a regular basis because you, br- you blow it all out and then you breathe in more deeply. And people have tried mm-hmm. that. When I do the audiences, work with audiences, I'll have them just breathe. You know, breathe in mm-hmm. deeply and breathe out deeply, breathe in deeply. And, they'll, and then I'll say, okay, now just stop. Now let's blow it all out first and everyone's hands will go up after we do that three times and say that they feel way more energized than they did when they were just breathing in deeply and breathing out deeply. When you blow it all out first and then you breathe in and you do that three times and then you do a breathing pattern that really helps you build your energy up. And you can do that, do that in five minutes and have more energy than you had an, a, with an hour of a break before. So that's the breathing, and that's exhale fully first. The N, of course, stands for nutrition excellence daily. You have mm-hmm. got to eat really well every day, not just on New Year's Day or, you know, Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, starting that new diet or that new program. You really yeah. have to learn to... You know, and, and I don't, I'm not saying don't cheat. My goodness mm-hmm. gracious, mm-hmm. it's, you know, especially over the holidays, you know, around the world, people eat more food that's not so good for them. But try to make it quality versus quantity. So instead of having just regular milk chocolate, have dark chocolate. Have the mm-hmm. organic dark chocolate. You know, learn to eat, make better choices. So that's nutrition excellence daily. The next E is exercise for cellular rejuvenation. And people don't know what that means until I explain it to them. There's certain exercises that really energize the cells more fully than other exercises, such as swimming or rebounding, or which is, you know, bouncing on a mini trampoline or a big trampoline, uh, bouncing on a, uh, uh, an exercise ball. Those are the kinds of things that actually energize the cells at a cellular level. So that's the exercise part. And then there's R, which is the most challenging thing for people in developed countries and probably in other not-so-developed countries as well, but it's rest, mm-hmm. relax, rejuvenate. And people mm-hmm. just can't do that. They, it's like the 24-7 mentality, you know. So that's the R. And then G is gratitude, attitude. You know, it's learning mm-hmm. to be grateful for everything in your life that's wonderful so that you expand that that the the things that you're grateful for and the why is your five keys because as you saw in instant energy there are hundreds of strategies let's pick the five one for each of those uh essential principles or Mm -hmm. keys pick one for each of them and it's what we say is five minutes five times a day instant energy guaranteed people discover that all the time if you can just do five things that address those, you know, one for each of those keys every day, 
you'll start to experience more energy in your life. That's really fantastic. Thank you. What is the primary misconception about what it takes to be healthy and vibrantly alive? Wonderful question. Wonderful question, Johnny, because the, the, the key thing, the primary misperception is that it takes a lot of time and a lot of money. And mm-hmm. as I just mentioned, five minutes, five times a day, instant energy guaranteed, that's, the, that's a reality. It, you do not have to, I, believe me, I, when I studied yoga in India, it was mm-hmm. morning till night, and we started our morning at 3 a.m., and we went until 11 p.m. It was living those five principles. It was not five minutes. What I've done is taken all of what I learned back then and readjusted it so that it's five minutes at a time and you don't need to be spending all day long doing it. Because I discovered when I was sick with cancer and Mm -hmm. and people were trying to help me as well. I worked with caregivers of of their families who are sick, family members who are sick. They don't have a whole lot of time. They don't have any energy. But when we do teach them these five keys and they learn how to implement them and they don't cost a lot of money because it doesn't cost any money to breathe, (laughs) to learn to breathe properly, right? Um, Most of the things that I'm talking about do not have to cost any money or very little money at the most. So Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. really learning that. that It doesn't take a lot of time and it doesn't take a lot of money. Those are the, the myth busters that we work with. Regular. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So stopping most people from doing what they need to do to be healthy and vital every day of their life. Well, a large part of it is resistance to change. Mm-hmm. People are resistant to things that are different. You know, it's the fear of the unknown, uh, resistance to things, doing things differently, and ambivalence. People get stuck in ambivalence. Well, if, they don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it until they get yeah. sick. And then they then they scramble. So it's, it, instead of we we're not taught prevention. If we were mm-hmm. taught prevention, and I know prevention is not a, a you know it's not a, a sale a great sales word in the health field because people don't get prevention. And yet, if you could do the preventative things before you get sick, instead of after you get sick, you could save you know it's a stitch in nine uh, a stitch in time saves nine. You know right. that cliche, but it's true. Yes. If if you were to do something positive every day for yourself, I'm not saying you won't get sick, but the chances that you'll get sick for a prolonged period of time and die are reduced because mm-hmm. you've taken action to prevent it. And, I mean, I saw that in my own family. Both of my uncles on my mom's side, my grandparents lived to 97 years of age, both of them, and they chose when they were going to leave the planet. And I was with them when they did. They literally chose when they were going to go. Now, flip forward to my my two uncles, dead at 54 and 53 years of age, respectively. And they were just Mm -hmm. a couple of years difference in age. But they were dead because they Mm -hmm. didn't, they smoked, they drank alcohol to excess. They they worked at jobs they hated. In other words, they didn't have anything joyful in their lives to really Mm -hmm. look forward to other than bad habits, right? And then by the right. time that they were sick, they were so sick that even trying to change their habits, wasn't, it wasn't soon enough. And that's mm-hmm. often, unfortunately, what happens when people come to me. They've uh, gone, they've, they've tried everything. They've mm-hmm. tried everything. And cancer waits for no one. 
you try all those illnesses, your body is already immune suppressed, and now you start doing illness uh, treatments for your illness that sap your energy even more, and actually end up killing you because of malnutrition. Most cancer patients don't die from cancer; they die from malnutrition because they are going through treatments that prevent them from actually being able to eat healthfully and drink, mm-hmm. you know, wholesome right. smoothies or whatever. Yeah. So that's very yeah, interesting. I hope I answered that question. Yeah, yeah, it's, very, yeah, very interesting. Getting, we have to get beyond ambivalence. We have to get beyond, you know, living each day thinking everything's okay and yeah. until it's not and move into really taking care in a preventative manner. You are a best-selling author of several books. Why did you decide to write Instant Energy? Well, that is a really good question. You know, when I first started writing Instant Energy, Johnny, it was going to be a revised edition of Five Minutes to Health. But what mm-hmm. happened was, I, literally, it was like a, I, you know, it was like the information was sent down through me onto the keyboard from a higher place because it all of a sudden I'm writing fit in fitness and I'm writing, you know, a chapter on water and I'm writing a chapter on oils, fats and oils. And now, and then I got into the psychology of it, you know, and I'm writing stuff about meditation and prayer and, you know, how to change your life on a holistic, from a holistic perspective. My, mm-hmm. in, my five minutes to health book and my, my tofu book obviously was about how to use tofu. And, uh, but the, the five minutes to health was really more of a nutrition guideline because it, it came out of my work at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America when I was the director of nutrition in the 90s. But what happened was that I realized it wasn't enough because when I worked with my patients, I was never just addressing nutrition. It, I was addressing all these other factors that weren't in my book. And it became really important as I got older to create something that would be like a living legacy. You know, should I leave? At least all this information would be somewhere because it's really a, overall the book is a timeless book. It's not something that is just for now. It really is something that people, people say this all the time. You, you can open that book and just start implementing anything in it that you open it up to and it makes sense whether it was 20 years ago uh, or 20 years in the future, it's going to make Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Overall, there might be a few changes along the way. But that was the main main purpose was that. And then as I get older, I'm not going to be working with patients the way I have been because I have a new mission, Mm -hmm. which I'm moving into, which is a global mission. And so, you know, it'll be a a whole different way. But if people say, well, how do I get the information? Here you go. Here you go. You know, right. for a fraction right. of the price, no less, as well. <laughs> but right. you know, basically, yeah, that that it was really to create something that people could utilize on their own if they had to. Your book is so thorough. How does your program and strategies differ from all the other gurus and health professionals? Well, one thing is that I do work with the whole patient, and many of my peers strictly work with nutrition. They have a few pointers about lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Very few of them address the whole person, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual person. And the other major factor is that it's five-minute strategies that really anyone, five-minute healthy strategies 
that anyone can do anywhere, anytime. And that's regardless of whether you're healthy already or you just want to get and you just want to get more healthy or if you're actually sick with an illness and you just don't have the time or energy to, to spend more than five minutes at a time. So it really is it's different from the standpoint of being holistic, whole person health at and at the same time implementing five minute strategies. So it, and there's a lot more to that, but really that's it in a nutshell, I would say. It's really getting to the core of who the person is, addressing what their needs are, and that is the other aspect. It is totally about you. That, that's why the why in the energy, the acronym, is your five keys. Because when I work with someone, I'm not going to give you the same five things, Johnny, that I would give someone else that, you right. know, maybe they're in bed with cancer, you know, or right. with some other illness. We're going to be looking at what you can do and meet the patient right where they're at right now so that mm-hmm. they can implement them. We don't want you to go home with a bunch of stuff you're not going to do. We want you to actually implement what we te- what what you learn, and get results right away. That's true. Your book is so comprehensive. You cover food. You cover recipes. Not only recommendations for food, you cover recipes. In all actuality, I wish I had more than an hour to talk with you (laughs) about the book because I think there are a lot of misconceptions out there in terms of understanding to really thoroughly understand reading labels, mixing foods and so forth, those kind of things. So really, it's quite a beautifully written book in terms of that and the information that you give. I mean, it's it's a process of transference of what's in your mind and your brain to this wonderful book. And like you talk about, and I talk about living a legacy of love. I say this respectfully, Dr. Joyce, this is living a legacy of love right here in this book. Oh, thank you, Johnny. I appreciate that. I really do. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> you talked briefly about mastering one's breathing and contributing to one's life. One of the things that I've heard about breathing is that, and you mentioned this also, focus on the breathing out rather than breathing in. And people look at it, you know, like, why are we worried about what we breathe out versus breathing in? Because breathing in is what puts the oxygen in our body. That's not necessarily yes. the truth, Correct. Well, if you're not learning to fully blow the air out, and in yoga meditation, what we learned way back when was as you breathe out, you have to, or you should, focus mm-hmm. on, oh, let's, let's not use the word should, because we don't want to should on ourselves. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when you're breathing out, what you want to focus on is breathing out all the dirty, filthy air and all the toxins in your body. You know, there's, uh, visualization is a very important part of overcoming any illness and especially cancer. And so if we can get to somebody early enough and have them learn to blow out as they're breathing out and really blowing out hard, that they're blowing out black, dirty, filthy, uh, toxic air so that when they breathe in, they're breathing in oxygen and they're breathing in a, a much larger amount of that oxygenated air than if they didn't do the, the, the exhale fully first process. If they're, then when they breathe in, they breathe in all this oxygen. Cancer cells do not thrive in an oxygenated environment. So if the more oxygen we can get into our body, the better chance we have of eradicating those little suckers and getting them out of our body. And as we're right. visualizing the, the breathing in, we're visualizing that oxygenated air going straight to the cancer cells and 
eradicating them, killing them. So if exhaling fully out all that dirty, toxic black air and breathing in this clean, fresh, oxygenated air, that then go, we, we visualize it going right to our cells. Our healthy cells get energized by the oxygen and the cancer cells are eradicated by the, the oxygen. So that's kind of, it's a process. You know, and that's where the mind-body-spirit uh, philosophy comes in, is as you're, you're doing the physical thing of breathing, you're actually adding the component of the mental, emotional, and spiritual. So true. People don't realize this. Breathing out is actually more important than breathing in. When you breathe out, just think about the displacement of pressure. Because as your body yeah. sort of shrink in, then it forces the outside pressure to fill you up. Exactly, exactly. You, that's basically what I'm saying. But you said it such so much more succinctly. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> it is the displacement of pressure inside yes. versus outside. The more you breathe out, the easier you breathe in. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We, I mean, I look at kids in school. The, the inner city school system was where I used to do a lot of presentations because you know, these kids didn't learn how to do a lot of this stuff. So I would go into the classroom, and at 10 a.m. in the morning, their, their heads would be rolling on the desk. One, yeah. they didn't know how to breathe. They were breathing into their throat, not into their abdomen. And two, they were eating Pop-Tarts and soda and drinking soda on the way to school. So they yeah. were, you know, they were not getting anything nutritious, and then on top of that, they, they didn't know how to breathe. So mm-hmm. we would go in and teach them. Kids are so resilient, too, you know. With, I mean, if you teach them, they often really want to learn. They just didn't know. So when you right. teach them in a fun way about nutrition and about breathing, it's amazing. They teach each other then. Kids right. are so great about that, you know. But we would see the difference <laughs> once they learned how to breathe. So I started right. doing that with grown-ups in class in my seminars, you know. Yeah. I would get up and I'd say, okay, we're going to do some breathing. And we would see people go from being exhausted in just not even five minutes because when I'm on, you know, when you're speaking, you don't have mm-hmm. the same amount of time you do when you're working with someone. <laughs> in, in, in one to two minutes of doing a, a new form of breathing, I would say to yes. people, how many people in the room experienced a difference and every hand would go up? Right. You know, so it's just teaching people how to breathe properly. So, yeah. So true. You dedicate the whole chapter on water. Why is that? Well, most people forget that our body is supposed to be about 80% water. Mm -hmm. I'm not so sure it is for many people because most of our population is dehydrated. They don't Mm -hmm. drink enough water. They drink other things like sodas, which, you know, are like diuretics, and so is coffee, and, uh, you know, most tea is, is somewhat diuretic. So water is what we need. And also the fact of the matter is that not one physiological or biochemical uh, process in our body can take place without water. You've got to have water. It activates everything. It also cleans your body out. It detoxes your body. It moves the toxins through your system. And when you think about, you know, I talk about rebounding, you know, the Mm -hmm. mini trampoline or or on the exercise ball as a rhythmic movement, your lymphatic system is basically fluids, right? And Mm -hmm. it is the sewer system of the body. When you're detoxing your body, you drink water, 
a little bit before, you rebound, and you drink water after, and that shifts those toxins out of your body because the, the lymphatic system cannot, you're basically the um, machinery for your, your whole body. You are the machinery mm-hmm. for detoxification through the lymphatic system. I mean, with the, the heart is the uh, machinery for your uh, cardiovascular system. The lungs are the machinery basically for your uh, respiratory system, but you're it for your lymphatic system. And that is, the, that is all fluids that need to be detoxed. So you do the rhythmic movement, but you have to get the water into your system so you can do that. Everything mm-hmm. depends on water. And here's another thing that most people don't realize. If you're not thinking too clearly, try drinking some water. You'll be amazed. Usually when you're a little bit dehydrated, and we're only talking like 2%, your mental facilities or faculties are compromised up to 25%. So it's really important to get water in for that reason, if not for any other reason. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's one of the key things there is just, you know, the, the, the way that you think, the way that, and if you have no energy, no energy, nine times out of ten, it, just drink a glass of water and that will shift immediately. And I saw that with fibromyalgia patients. A lot of my cancer patients also developed fibromyalgia. And I was, mm-hmm. I was struggling to find a solution for them. And what happened was when I started doing the research, we discovered that in many of the studies, they found that if people just included more water in their diet, the symptoms of fibromyalgia would, were either completely eliminated or at the very least significantly relieved. Huge. That's very interesting. There's very, very much interesting. more, of course, but yeah. Sure. All well, your there. book is very, very thorough. You covered that quite a bit. One of the things that you cover in the book is about the right and the wrong way to consume supplements. Please tell us a little bit about that. Yes, you know it's like when I when I teach kids about this, I I use the uh, the analogy of a train going, you know, a train carrying cargo. So when you um, take supplements, you need to have the food that the that can carry, like the food you, that you eat, that can carry the supplements, the the nu- nutrients in the supplements to the different parts of your body. So when we talk about the train, the train is your food and the cargo are the supplements that you take. Now, if you just take the supplements on their own, they don't have the um, food that's required to carry the, the, the um, supplements to the different parts of your body where they're needed. Does that make sense? Am I making sense of what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really important to understand that you've got to have that that transport system, and that is the food that you eat, the, the, the macronutrients, the protein, carbohydrates, and fat that are necessary to carry the different nutrients. And certain nutrients are fat-soluble. So if you don't get fat, then those nutrients that are fat-soluble, vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin E, vitamin K, they're not going to get to where they have to go. And mm-hmm. so you have to have the right food going into your body to carry those nutrients with it to the mm-hmm. cells in your body so that your, body, your cells get them at the deepest level. What is the best nutritional support system for our body? Well, you know, without mentioning specific brands, because now mm-hmm. there are several brands out there that are really good nutritional support systems, 
Um, but, but they're not, not, when I say several, I don't mean lots because uh, what we want to get is whole food nutrition. So we want to look for something that has a whole food base for the very same reason that I talked about, you know, having the train carrying right. the cargo. You know, if you have full, whole food nutrition and then you, you cu- couple that with, of course, you know, real whole food, you're going to get a much better result or response in your body than if you have 50 or 60 vitamins. And, and the reason I say that is, for example, in an apple, there's 10,000 nutrients. This is what we found biochemically. In broccoli, there's over 12,000 nutrients. Even in cauliflower, there's over 12,000 nutrients. A tomato has over 10,000 nutrients. So you get a vitamin pill with 50 to 100 nutrients, many of which might be man-made. So the version mm-hmm. is not the same as if it was directly from whole food. It's a different mm-hmm. compound. I mean, we, we've seen it with, you know, uh, vitamin D. The, the man-made vitamin D has a different molecular structure than the vitamin D that's produced in your body as a result of having the right nutrients in your diet and sunlight. So it's mm-hmm. really getting down to whole food nutrition in a whole food manner. And, and that includes your supplements. And I, so for me, a supplement would be something that might not even be labeled a supplement. It might be labeled as food. You know, so that's what I look yeah. for when I'm looking for something to, to build my body up. And, you know, that's one of the key things. What's going to build my body up versus tear my body down? And a lot of the nutrient, the, the supplements out there, by the way, Johnny, are loaded mm-hmm. with um, fillers and uh, other, you know, oils, et cetera, that are genetically right. modified. And today we don't mm-hmm. know what the long-term effects are of, gen- of genetic modification. So, you know, I don't want to take a chance with my health with things that are GMO-based, including supplements. So a lot of times when I'm working with clients and patients, we take we spend as much time going through the supplements that they have been taking as we do the food they're eating. Because Mm -hmm. correcting your food but having crappy supplements, pardon my language, um, (laughs) is not a great way to go. (laughs) You really have you you have to focus the same amount of energy on finding the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in the way of uh, nutritional support systems. And that's what I call it, you know, and it's like yeah. let's look at how we can look for a nutritional support system versus a vitamin supplement. Very interesting. And it's going to be whole food based. What advice do you have for mothers who want to implement the right eating habits for their children? Yeah, that's a great question, Johnny. You know, I struggled with whether to include something on that in the book or not, but I really felt it was critical that moms learn that, you know, just because your kid wants Pop-Tarts or, uh, you know, Kellogg's Corn Flakes, which to me, well, I shouldn't use a a brand name because there's lots of Corn Flakes out there. Um, You know, whether it's Corn Flakes or... Pop-Tarts or whatever it is, those are things that are basically man-made products that are missing a lot of nutrients. So what can you do instead with kids? Well, kids love finger food. So mm-hmm. one, kids also love to, to participate in the kitchen. They re- it's amazing. I was stunned to see how quickly young kids would get in the kitchen, and I don't like them to cut up stuff, but I do like them to mix stuff together. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. if they're little. As they get older, they can learn to use a knife and cut and things like that. But when they're really young, finger food. So you cut up some vegetables, 
and you you get them to mix together the ingredients that you put together for hummus or uh, tzatziki or things like that. Kids love dips, and you mm-hmm. find the dips they love. Uh, be any kind of bean dip most kids will eat. Um, yogurt dips. Start learning how to be adventurous with them. I and for people who aren't allergic to soy, and you know most people are mm-hmm. not allergic to soy. So tofu is a great thing, a genetically genetic modification free. Uh, organic tofu is a great thing to use as a base because it's a chameleon. So you can make all these dips and, and smoothies and things like that, but especially these dips, kids love smoothies. So you make smoothies for them. You know, it's things that can get nutrition into their body in a form that they'll love it, and then that way you're, you're not buying all that other junk food that they're, and feeding <laughs> their bodies with this stuff instead. <laughs> So, you know, it's just finding ways and getting the kids to participate. That is the big thing. Right. When kids participate, we saw that with, with kids when they started implementing the, the Grow Your Garden at School mm-hmm. program, you know, in California, and I'm mm-hmm. sure they're doing it in other parts of the country. But in California, they started to grow the food and grow your own garden. And the kids mm-hmm. would actually make salads. They'd have, you know, moms would come in and participate at lunchtime, and, um, and I was one of them. You go in and you, you start helping the kids make salads and then you take Mm -hmm. some of those things that they grew, the herbs that they grew in the garden you teach them how to make salad dressing and all of a sudden here you've got a healthy lunch for the kids at school. Now when they get that at school, they go home and tell mom and dad this is what they want more of. So that healthy you know, growing their own stuff, kids love doing that. They watch that little sprout come up out of the ground and then it grows into a plant and and then it's an edible plant. Wow! You know, so it's Again, it's participation, getting kids to participate, whether you're growing some herbs on your windowsill because you live in an apartment. Get kids mm. to participate. They love it. What are some of the foods to avoid at any cost? And this list could be foods that are not necessarily just for kids but for adults as well. Absolutely. This is for everyone. You know, the things that we need to stop eating so much of are you know, the high, the high cholesterol, high fat foods like bacon. There are lots of great, if you can find Canadian bacon, and I am mentioning a country there because that's what people understand, it's got a mm-hmm. lot more meat on it. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a meat eater per se. I'm a, mm-hmm. you know, vegan plus fish. Um, mm-hmm. I guess they call that flexitarian in this day. <laughs> but, <it's> like, <laughs> but what you want to do is avoid anything that has nitrites, nitrates, sulfites, those kinds of things. Um, excitotoxins like uh, equal, NutraSweet, aspartame, all the same thing. Saccharin, those kinds of things. Man-made products that basically are, they have no nutritional value to speak of and they, they could do more damage to your central nervous system than anything else. So you want to avoid things that contain those additives and preservatives. And, uh, and, you know, that can be, you know, that people say to me, well, what about butter? Well, if it's organic butter from grass-fed and grass-finished beef cattle, then pro- or, I mean, dairy cattle, then probably that's not going to be so bad for you um, as margarine. It's not going to mm-hmm. be so bad for you, definitely, because margarine is a man-made product. And so what I'm looking at is if we can stay away from the, mechanically determined foods or the uh, man-made products and go back to food in its whole food form and uh, veer away from all those 
uh, additives, preservatives, and, and excitotoxin-based foods, which I go into in detail in the chapter on what to avoid, um, then that's going to benefit you a lot more than having uh, having you know you're, that's going to benefit you a lot more than having a lot of junk food. And let's face it, when you go to the grocery store, here's the other thing: if you can't read it, don't eat it. You look at the list of <laughs> ingredients <laughs> in ice cream, and unfortunately, I can read them because biochemistry was my my initial background. Uh-huh. And I look at those ingredients, and I go, I'm not I'm not putting that in my body. I don't want to eat plastic called ice cream. You know, yeah. I want real food. The less ingredients, the better. And so yeah. it's really getting down to having whole food in the whole food form and avoiding those mechanically defined foods and those, you know, man-made uh, mm-hmm. extra ingredients. Yeah. What would you like for the readers to gain from reading Instant Energy? Well, I'd love for them to get how simple it is to be healthy. That's for sure. I'd love for them to, to know that, you, you know, you, you, and you don't have to make a lot of changes at one time. I'm talking five things. So make one, if you were to make one change a week for a year, that's 52 changes, positive changes. If you only did one every two weeks, new things that you've increased in your diet or in your, pardon me, in your life. It doesn't have to be hard. I think that's the main thing. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. It doesn't have to be hard. And you don't have to do it all at one time. Small changes make a big, in fact, a huge difference. And so it's just make some small changes. Take it a step at a time. That's why there's so many chapters and they're basically short, is just take one, read it, make a, a change. Come back to that chapter in a, you know, a few months. And make another change from there. You don't have to make everything and make all those changes at one time, and you don't have to make it complex, complicated, and hard. It's really and address the whole person. Don't take only the nutrition aspect of it. Actually, look at what other aspects can I look at? Maybe I need to detox my body. Great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't do a ten-day detox. You know, do a three-day de- detox. You know, we address all of that in right. there as well. It's like do something that's simple, manageable, and doable. If you can't do more than one day, great, do one. If yeah. all you can do is a simple one, you know, morning detox, start your day with a hot lemon drink that has, you know, the, the juice of one small lemon, uh, a cup of hot water, not boiling, and then add to that one tablespoon of pure maple syrup and some a sprinkling of cayenne pepper. That is a great detox for each day of the, of the week. You know, okay, skip Sunday if you don't want to do it then. But for six days out of seven, you've done a, you started your day with a mini detox. You know, it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's finding what you will do and just doing one or two of those things and just do one until you feel good about it. Then do another, add another. You know, so it's really about that. And learn to have passion in your life. That mm-hmm. is so important. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, if you're doing what you, you don't like doing, and I talk a lot about that in the chapter <laughs> on uh, <laughs> the aging mountain theory, you know, it's like yeah. learn, figure out who you really are. And don't, and you change a lot. So don't just do a process once. You know, the, the end of the year is coming up. Um, you know, do it then, or if it's the end of the month coming up, do yeah. it then. You know, do, do start a new month, a new week. 
having mm-hmm. uh, really re- reevaluated who you are. So it's really coming to it's all of those things. <laughs> I could go on and on. <laughs> Wonderful. Where can someone about you and keep up with your latest happenings? Thank you for asking that, Johnny. I really want to give people something they can use right away. And mm-hmm. so at a, the website, five minutes, uh, pardon me, five minute energy tips. So that's the number five minute energy tips.com. They'll find a place where they can uh, get the book Instant Energy, but they can also get my 10 top five minute tips that will help get them through the coming uh, holiday season and into the new year and start the year off right and continue the year with these tips. They're so simple and easy to use. So that's something they can get there for free. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. By the way, we're coming close to the end of the hour. Since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Well, I would say a recipe for living would be definitely if you get the book Instant Energy, look at the recipes that are there because they're so simple, they're short and easy and quick to use. But also, like I mentioned a minute ago, have passion for life, have gratitude for everything positive in your life, and even for the things that aren't so positive because those are part of the journey to get to where you want to go. And really wake up every morning and affirm Today is going to be a great day because when you start your day off with that affirmation, 99 times out of 100, it will be a great day. It's all about changing your energy in an instant. And when you're feeling down, write five gratitudes and it will change your energy right away so that you feel the blessings that you have all around you. That's an awesome recipe. Well, Dr. Marilyn, thank you for the wonderful recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mom's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks. Tuesday morning, December 27, my guest will be Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be discussing Chicken Soup's latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Curvy and Confident, 101 stories about loving yourself and your body. The book is co-authored with Supermodel Emma. For additional information about this show and future shows, radio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Dr. Marilyn, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. My pleasure. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you. Bye-bye.